Hello, and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tusken Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, and her hair, I think, is looking very nice today, Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing very well. And uh, yes, my, my hair does look better today because I actually b- blow dried it. I don't usually do that, but I did today because it is 30 degrees outside and I didn't mm. want to go outside with wet hair. So <laughs> yeah, don't that meant it actually, that. it actually got dry before I had a chance to put it up in a ponytail so it didn't do the weird creasy thing that it usually mm. does. Gotcha, gotcha. And with us as well, I don't know how he's looking, but he's always looking fabulous. Peter Dancy, how are you, Peter? I am good. Um, <laughs> like it, it's kind of funny that Sarah's like it's thirty degrees because that's how that's how it was down here in Houston a couple of days ago. So I think the two of us switched places as far as weather is concerned. But I'm actually pre- I'm actually pretty good right now. I'm I'm, ho- I'm house sitting for a friend, so I'm in so I'm in his living with his apartment and his. Uh, big ass dog. So if you hear like any like in, like any growling or random or like random randomly deep sneezing from like somewhere in the back, that's probably him. His name is Barnabas, and he's adorable, and he, and he's a super campy and an attention whore, and he keeps wanting me to play with him. So I'm like I'm like throw, I'm like getting the toy out of his out of his mouth and then throwing it so he like so he's like settled. He, he, he's, he's he's adorable. He's a big sweet he's a big sweetheart. That's great name for a dog right i was thinking that too yeah i was thinking that too uh i am just uh i'm about to leave for uk nine days so i'm excited about that uh, yay i just heard from my friend it's 20 degrees there so Ew. Mm, cold and gray what i love i'm so tired of hot and sunny in los angeles it gets <laughs> old <laughs> another day of sun <laughs> <laughs> And I guess I was feeling it because I bought a uh, a Scottish ale, which is very delicious. But even better, it is called Kilt Lifter. Okay, I, I need best. that. You know, I think I've heard of that. I think one of my friends has had that here before. It's uh, it's actually from Arizona, but it's actually pretty good. I really like. Uh, it's hard to find really good, like English Scottish style ale because I had it right. the first time I went to England, and I was like, "Why isn't this everywhere? This is in my blood!" <laughs> like as soon as I drank it, it's like how when I first heard a. Uh, an Irish flute. I was like, "This is the sound of my people." Like, and this is like, <laughs> and I drink this. More... Like, this is the drink of my people. <laughs> okay, but like, like for you, was it more like, "This is the sound of my people," or were you getting flashbacks to watching ba- ba- Battlestar Galactica? That's when I heard it first. That's when I heard it first. Right. And I was like, "Why does this song rule so hard?" And I was like, "This is the song of my people. Yes. My future space Irish people." <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, see, I just love that it's called kilt lifter because now I'm just like, I mean, because now it's like, that's right. I do need to go to Scotland and and lift some kilts. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got to check to make sure they're doing it right. True. Yeah. Are you are you doing it legit or are you just kind of like half ass? <laughs> or, or rather, or rather, the, no. if, if if they're doing it right, there you'll see the full ass. The full ass. You're right. Yeah. I hope I can wear a kilt to a wedding once and not feel like a dickhead. Like if I can mm. like wear. So. I'm really jealous because women aren't supposed to wear kilts. So Boo. just over here, like it's fine. I'd get the ceremonial dagger and everything too. I'd go all out. Yeah. Like the whole shabam. I okay. Seriously, if you have a wedding and you do that, I am so wearing a kilt. Like this mm. is requ- I, even if like even if no one else does, I am wearing a kilt. I know, right, Sarah. You're Scottish. Mm. You have an excuse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pressuring her. Confirmed on ancestry. This is Great Britain, isn't there? <laughs> Ooh, Scotland see, is part of that. Oh, see now this is not now, now, now this is just like further encouragement for for me to do the whole twenty three and me thing because 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 I know that I know that like a big part of me is from West Africa, but what part of Europe, if at all, like if any. Could like could my answers be from things to find out things? Yeah, to I would. Know. I would really like to know yours. I, yeah, I did mine, mine, and it was like. Sorry, I did mine, and it was like fifty nine percent Western Europe and thirty seven percent Great Britain. So I am just <laughs> the whitest white to ever white. Basically. See, that's what I know. I know mine is going to be the same. I know mine's going to be exactly the same. I think Peter's is going to be I mean, way more was, fascinating. It was like a. It was like no. less than 2% Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, which I don't know why they're making that different than Great Britain, but okay. Eh. Um, 
And um, then like less than 1% Asian Pacific Islander and less than 1% some Northern African or something like that. I was I was even hoping for some like American Indian, but no, apparently my, my mom did hers and uh, it did like the less than 1%. So it's not even enough to register on mine. No. Yeah, that's what we as white people all hope for. Maybe there's a Native American in there somewhere. <laughs> no. No, nope, sorry. Just white. You're just no, I, white. <laughs> I I have a friend who's like literally all over the place. He's he's like a little less like a little less than fifty percent like like black like just like 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 West African like, like West African and everything. But then but then like like the other fifty percent is just kind of more or less all over the map, ex- excluding South America and, and 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 well yeah obviously Australia. But yeah, like because I remember when he showed when he showed it to me, like the part the part that I literally like outlaw out loud guffawed at what he because I he was, I, I could tell he was like watching me waiting for it, and like I laughed. And he was like, "Did you get to it?" And I was like, "There it is." He is out of everything, still one percent Askenazi Jew. Hmm. Like just Man, out of no like right like it was interesting, but it's just like out of nowhere, and the two of us were like, "How did that happen?" I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard yeah. to know. Alrighty, well, this week we are discussing Season 6, Episode 19 and Episode 20, which are two very different tonal episodes. But, so, uh, but both great. So good. I think we both liked them both uh, for different reasons. So let's go for the heavy one first. In the Pale Moonlight, Season 6, Episode 19. Steve, Cisco decides. <laughs> yes, Cisco decides to go full Shakespeare and narrate to the camera slash computer of all the evils he has done in the last two weeks. We learn that TGF on Deep Space Nine doesn't mean casual Fridays, but rather the posting of the casualty list from the Dominion War. Oh. Dax is shook that one of her friends was killed, another casualty caused by the Dominion crossing through the Romulan border, who signed a non-aggression pact with the Dominion. Bashir notes that if the Romans were to enter the war on the Federation Klingon side, it could very well turn the tide in their favor. Sisko decides to make it his duty to bring the Romulans into the war at any cost. He enlists the help of Tinker Tailor soldier spy Garrick to try <laughs> and find any Cardassian war plans on Romulus. Garrick tries all his contacts and they all end up dead for talking to him. Meanwhile, the Dominion strikes a major blow by capturing the planet Beta Z, where surely they will eventually be annoyed into leaving by Luxana Troy. However, in the meantime, it means Dominion have a distinct strategic advantage which could turn the tide. Garrick offers a new solution to Benjamin that instead of finding real plans, they fake a hollow recording to seem like the Dominion are planning a Romulan invasion. The plan is to get a genuine Cardassian secure data rod and hire a master forger who will make a hollow recording that seems like Wayun and Damar are planning an invasion of Romulus, and then show the program to Senator Vrnek, the most ardent pro-Dominion Romulan senator, who if convinced could sway the entire government to join the war. To get the rod, however, Sisko will have to go through the wheel of moral compromise. First, he has to force Bashir to give over a large amount of biomimetic gel to get the Cardassian data rod, much to Bashir's displeasure. Also, he manages to convince Gowron to spare the life of Grathar Tolar, the forger who repays him by getting drunk and stabbing Quark. In order to keep him quiet, Sisko bribes Quark by giving him latinum for lost pay and allowing him to do some classic Quark shady shit on the side. Talar does create a seemingly convincing replica, and they burn it onto the data rod. Sisko invites Vrnek to the station, and they discuss Sisko's wish for the Romulans to enter the fight, which Vrnek dismisses. However, Sisko shows him the rod, which at first Vrnek is convinced by, but eventually reveals it's a forgery. He he is furious and heads home to expose Sisko's deception, to which Sisko worries it will not only cause them to not enter on the Federation's side, but might even cause the Romulans to enter on the side of the Dominion. However, Vernek's ship is destroyed en route, and Sisko knows exactly who did it. Bomberman himself, Garrick. Sure enough, Garrick does confirm he was the one who planted the bomb, as insurance that the forgery was not accepted. Garrick throws back that he made the explosion look like a Dominion plot, and any issues with the forgery will seem like corruption due to the explosions. The Romians will only see a dead senator who is hurrying home to expose the Dominion plans for invasion, and they will, in suit, join the war. And yes, he killed Vrnik and Talar as well, but what's the price of a dead senator, a dead thief, and the moral death of one Benjamin Sisko if the world, if the war could possibly now be won? Sure enough, the Romans do join the Federation in their war. 
To the computer, Benjamin reveals despite the horrible things he did and allowed Garrick to do, he can live with it if it means the safety of the Alpha Quadrant. And with that, he erases the entire log in a final edit that made Ben implode. What did you guys think of In the Pale Moonlight? I really liked it. It was so dramatic and it was in, you know, a different style of, you know, Cisco narrating the story, I guess. Um, yeah, it was good. Full of twists and turns and moral gray areas and intrigue and all that jazz. Politics. Um, yes. <laughs> At the end of the show, we're going to do a full show wrap up, I figured. And I'm going to mm-hmm. force yeah. you all to pick your favorite and best episode. So like mm-hmm. the one you want to revisit the most. And then also the one you think is the best, but maybe so heavy, you know. And yeah. uh, it might be hard for me not to pick this as the best. Uh, yeah, same. It is uh, unbelievable how good this is. It is so fucking good i want to rewrite it as a shakespeare play and i'll explain my plan later but it is so cool the the construction is just fantastic it reminded me so much of a a modern episode of television basically the entirety of house of cards ripped off this episode Mm -hmm. essentially uh and it rules and it's awesome and i cannot speak enough peter Please tell me you're not who doesn't like this episode. No, sorry. Um, no, just the the dog. The dog got his got his mouth got his hand well, his mouth on this on his squeaky toy. So <laughs> you just heard that. Um, hi. Uh, this episode was everything to me. Like, and 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 it and it has really nothing to do with how much my friend Steve was building it up. Just like I could have watched this without him, even though he would have hated me for it, and I would have loved it anyway because that like this so so much of deep space 9 has has been, has been about exploring kind of the 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 the, mor- the morality of its characters and what they've done in the past and what they do now and 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 all of and all of them in some way navigating that moral gray area and what and what it means to them but we haven't really seen that kind of hit close to home with our main with with our main main character the cap the captain of our ship Cisco uh, I, I mean yeah I mean yeah I mean yes some stuff has happened where you know you kind of you're kind of like okay that's odd but this is the first time where everything ev- everything that has transpired is because of him and the fact that he the fact that at the end of at the end of the episode he says I can live with this that blew my mind I was like floored when 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 the when the end credit started to roll on this episode this episode was everything to me and i kind of i have to agree with ben it would be very hard to choose another episode other than in the pale moonlight as the best episode of this series uh, it's 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 one of my favorite episodes of tv maybe it's so fucking good and it, it is that ending like you said i think that's that that solidified it i think it is a mm-hmm. very uh good very great episode up to that point um and I think it is because it twists when it should turn and zigs when it should zag and et cetera. You know, right. the fact that he has that blow up with Garrick, you expect a very Star Trek thing where it's like, Garrick, this is the final act, Garrick. You can't get away with it now. And Garrick says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You won. You won. It was Lit- horrible, but you yeah. won. Like what you set out to do is going to all be in your favor now. Why would you fight against this? Exactly. But let's and not that, forget that um, Benjamin Sisko got to punch Garrick in the face, finally. which Twice. we all know he has been waiting to do for six years. Man throws a mean punch too. That, yeah. that looked that looked well, rough. I I, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of forget though. Was it a, was it a right hook or a left hook? Ooh, I, I forget. Because because I want to say like, like th- I remember camera right. I feel like it's right hook. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cuz cuz I, I want to be like he throws a mean right hook or a mean left hook, whichever one it was. But if it, if it was the right, then it's like Cisco throws a mean right hook. Like damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Uh and it, it is that ending. It is the fact that he Oh, that's just oh god. I love hard cuts that are great. And that fucking erase hard cut end of the episode. And 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 how and how he's how he sits on his couch sofa whatever how he, how he how he sits on his couch like like you can kind of see a, kind of see the wheels turning in his head where he's like he was like I'm fine 
I'm fine. I'm fine. This and is then fine. This is like fine. This, it's like this is fine. Yeah. This is fine. And then like that last one where it's like, okay, now he really is okay with this. Where he's like, this is fine. And you're just like, whoa. This is fine because I say it's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Fake it right. till you make exactly. fake it till you make it. And he and he and he made it in about ten seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's about how history is written by the victors too. It is like about mm-hmm. how Oh my know, god, you're right. It is all about how uh, real history is not true history when you get down to it. And we may never know the real answers to a lot of what actually happened and what mm-hmm. never got recorded onto the computer, quote unquote. You know? And saved. And that's why I want to make it like a one-act because like my version of the script is like it's like a, a king in England and he's probably fighting France. They're always fighting France. That, yes. They're probably going to lose. And they need, I don't know, Denmark or Spain to join the fight right and then he forges a letter and he has like his his head spy like forge a letter and then he finds that the you know the envoy's like it's a fake and then the envoy gets murdered by arrows that look like french or whatever you know and then at the end he's doing his monologue to the camera and then he has it all written down and then he puts it like in a fire and it burns like that's how you end it's like it's perfect it's so good it's like it's it really does feel like this is a one-act Shakespeare, even though he didn't do one X like that, it feels like this like part of King Henry V or whatever, like this yeah. this thing that just never existed. Like, I really do think it's almost like that interesting and that like high stakes and that political, which I think is so crazy. Like you, that that's why I kind of want to rewrite it. It's just to say like if you take out things that you find inherently silly, if you don't like Star Trek, like Romulans and Klingons and Federation right. and Dominion and Founders and you just you whittle it down to just what it's about it is so interesting it is so so politically interesting and mm-hmm. such an interesting take on on the what you will sacrifice for the greater good which is again what garrick says what's a dead thief and a dead senator and your morals gone to saving the entire alpha quadrant you know is it really all that bad you know and whatever else the biomedic gel is going to do and uh, cork getting stabbed. <laughs> I really, out of all the things, I don't think Cisco cared that much about Cork getting stabbed. Oh no, of I think he felt not. way like, worse that he had alive? a bribe. Are you going to press charges? No. Okay. No, the part that hurt him more was him saying, uh, "What's? Let me find uh, the exact uh, rule of acquisition that he said to him because it was rough." Ninety eighth rule of acquisition: Every man has his price. That hurt way more. He didn't give a shit yes. about Quark. Quark saying that to mm-hmm. him. That hurts. That's some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this uh, entire episode was about Cisco, like, kind of, mo- like, moving his own goal line, moving moving his own price. What am I willing to do? How far am I willing to go? And that, just, dude, that was a journey. And, and I- it, could, it completely changes the stakes of the entire driving force of the show which is the dominion war now if they win the war you are always going to think about but was it worth it because would they have won without cisco doing these terrible things right exactly Mm -hmm. so even if we end the show and we're all like i don't know how it ends so i'm assuming the dominion wins i'm assuming the dominion wins (laughs) um i'm very pessimistic no um i'm generally assuming that they that the federation wins but you never know i don't know how the show ends um but so even if the Federation wins and we're all happy, you have to have that in your mind forever. Like, and that's a that's crazy. It's like something that Star Wars is getting like attacked for. You know, it's like by making Luke, you know, whether you like it or not, like uh, question the very idea of Jedi. Now you have to sit around going, do I even like Jedi anymore? So it's hard to do that as a showrunner and be like your central character and the entire thing he's fighting for. Now you have to question it for the rest of the show and forever. Right. That's crazy. It's crazy. All right. Oh, there's so much in the, there's so there's so much in this episode. <laughs> I mean, I guess the main question is, do you think you would have done what 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 Ben did? I mean, that's uh, the, that's the hardest part. I, I was I was actually thinking about that, and I, and, and, my, and I if I remember correctly, Steve, like Steve even asked me that too. Um, like I got, when the episode was over, he was like both of us were like, would you have gone through all that and. <laughs> Yes, I know. Um, and yes, <laughs> <laughs> the dog says yes. He would. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting to that because, like, just un- like unfortunately, just with, with with how dire everything was looking, and 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 even and even um and and even the the, the people that 
the Bashir was working with earlier earlier in this season, how he and they all predicted, like, you know, yes, the Dominion's going to win. Sorry, but we're all kind of fucked. Taking everything into account and and take taking that into account and, and how and how at the beginning of the episode how at the beginning of the episode which which ended up becoming the driving force behind but behind Cisco wanting to bring the Romulans into the war, posting every week just the just the list of names of the of those who were either killed those those who are either killed or missing in action or or just injured. And having to do that week after week after week after week and seeing people that you know and have some kind of relationship with, like, be in harm's way and go down and die, that weighs on you a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think if I were in Cisco's position, I probably would have gone I probably would have gone to those lengths that that, that, that he that he did to bring the Romulans into the war because I would have seen it as worth it. To be perfectly yeah. honest with you, I would have seen it as worth it. I would have been like, morality is kind of out the door in this one situation. If I am found out, then fuck me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But, yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Sarah? You yeah, think I, I think so too. Uh, Peter uh, expressed it um, just as I would have. You know, after what Cisco went through of you know seeing just not only the numbers of how many people died, but seeing their names too over and over every week. At some point you just get fed up. And it's, um, you know, Garrick listed off, you know, it's a small price to pay. Like you killed one guy and, you know, moved some, you know, questionable items and your morals got, you know, sent to this weird gray area. But if that's all you had to do, that's much better than some things we have done in real life to yep. win wars. We didn't drop a bomb and destroy half a country or something. Right, right. right. That's a great point. Yeah. What is the yes. what is an elaborate lie and some murder over a uh, uh, you know uh, an invasion mass destruction. Know, well, that's the question about the atomic bomb too. Is it was it worth killing this many innocents to avoid this many military people who might have died and if we invaded uh, mm. Japan and et cetera, et cetera? You know, in that, that case, probably debate. not. But it's often been a moral debate about it. You know, because it's it's hard to say. We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, and you weren't. It'll be interesting to see if Cisco has to go to lengths such as that later on in the show to again. You know lose a planet win the war you know save the galaxy kind of thing right right and that will be significantly higher stakes than one romulan ship right there's a great the first so battlestar galactica started with a three-part miniseries Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah which was just like a i don't know if they always planned to start a series but at least it was like more of like a they're doing a miniseries see if you like it and then you know it was a huge hit and then they made the show the first true episode of the series then that followed it is an episode called 33 that is mm-hmm. also one of the best episodes of TV ever where the Cylons keep showing up every 33 minutes on the dot. They jump, they show up, they jump, they show up. And eventually they realize that there's one ship that may have been taken over by Cylons. Now the ship says that they are full of people and that there are no Cylons aboard, but they know for sure that it's this one ship is the reason that the Cylons keep showing up. And the question then is, do you blow up that ship knowing you may be killing innocent people on board? Or maybe they're all dead and they're all faking it and no one's on board but Cylons. But do you blow up that ship and save everybody? And, mm-hmm. you know, it is then for the rest of the show, you have to wonder, was it worth that one moment? You know, like, and that's I, I really think it's not a coincidence. That Ronald Moore wrote both. <laughs> and uh, oh, he really likes yeah, There you stuff. go. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think it's it's it's. It's so interesting that the show is like it just just planted its flag right here, you know, to say that because it's not Star Trek really, to say like, you know, Picard wouldn't really do this, you know, but yeah, no, you kind of have to, which is which is what makes it so interesting, and why I think uh, the flag must the, be planted here. Yeah, this far. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no father. No father. No father. <laughs> That 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 movie has so many great Picard freakouts. He was yes. like so yes. restrained that whole show, and then the board uh-huh. come back, and he's like, "No, no, <laughs> I'm not Just, having it." You broke your little ships. Oh, I know. He breaks his little <laughs> ships, 
And the hollow sweet, he freaks out and he fires that Tommy gun in that great shot. He's like, ah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. Uh, All about Rambo pads, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about dune buggy pet stew from Nemesis. That's what it gets. Time really. for some unsafe velocities. <laughs> it's so weird that they try to make Picard like an action hero in some of those movies. I love it. I love which, it which, so which, much. Which, 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 is why, which is why it's kind of funny. Like It, it kind of makes sense after Star, Trek, after Star Trek and all that. They were just like, hey, we want to cast you as Professor X. Just sit in a chair. Just, just sit in a chair. Oh, I, know. I know it's true. It's true. That man is so—he does not get the respect he deserves for mind power acting. Yeah, sir. <laughs> that is pa- hard to do, sir Patrick Stewart. We commend you for being Professor X and just putting, just putting your, and just, and just putting your index and middle finger to your temple, and everyone's just like, oh god, he's gonna fuck up everything. Mm-hmm. He is. Yes, just compare him to January Jones, an X-Men of Future Past, well says mind powers. Mm-hmm. Cannot live up to the task. You cannot do it. Not even close. Patrick Stewart can. So I give you praise, sir. <laughs> yep, you got to look convincing, dude. I'm sorry, no, str- those, those, those Strongbow commercials. Acting. Oh, just real quick. I've been doing this all week. Can I do my impression of Vrenik, uh learning that it's a forgery? Vrenak, <laughs> yes. Vrenak, yeah, yeah. It's a fake. <laughs> That's exactly love that line. it. Love that line. I love it's it so fake. much. I watched it like nine times. It's such an odd delivery. It's so good. It's so good. It's a very uh, simple but iconic line. I'm gonna start it's a using fake. that. I gotta. We should start doing memes for that. That would be great. <laughs> Ooh <laughs> yes. Any sort of fake, you know, thing where it's like, you know, something that you're excited for and it's like, it's a fake. So have you, like, have Kingdom you seen that? Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh. Kingdom Hearts 3, yeah. yeah released, release date 2016. <laughs> it's fake. <laughs> uh, now you've made Peter sad. Now we're not getting I'm back. sorry, yeah, no, Peter. Just, just, put him in just, be, just, just because Sarah, no, you no, can't it, bring no, up Kingdom Hearts 3 around Peter or Half-Life 3 around me. Like you just it it hurts us. No no much. no just no it's 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 just that like it's just that the Tokyo Game Show Kingdom Hearts three trailer was 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 um it it graced the world with its presence today on YouTube and um and and I and I watched it and Jack and Jack and I were just flipping shit because oh my god like like who knows if it will actually be released this year but they are actually doing stuff for it and it looks it looks gorgeous like it looks so beautiful i cannot wait for this game rapunzel fights with her hair what the shit nice that's great that's great that's awesome yeah at least you have a three am i i gave up it's dead apparently Half-Life yeah. three so I, feel, like, uh, I, I don't know which I, is worse like constantly thinking it might come out or just knowing it's never coming out and just accepting it i don't know i don't know either i can't yeah. say yeah yeah. Well, anyways, I think that'll do it for episode. Unless you have anything else to say for this one, there's a lot to say, but I think we covered it. Yes. Yeah, I'm good. Alrighty. Well, let's. Oh, talk- can we talk about the fact oh. that they? But what, what did they do to Beta Z? They took it over. I know. I was so sad. Yeah. Apparently, there Just is have a. Having all caps. Oh no, not Beta Z. There is apparently a book where they explain how they retake Beta Z. Nice. Ooh. Let me find it. It was listed on uh, the battle to retake Beta Z took place in the novel The Battle of Beta Z. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, if you ever want to read that, uh, then you can learn how they got Beta Z back. It's got a Beta Zoid with a gun on it on the cover. Looks pretty cool. Female Beta Zoid with a gun on the cover. Looks fun. Alrighty, well, let's talk about his way. Tonal shift, but an interesting yes. episode. It's a good tonal I shift, though. I am so excited. I have so many notes, and most of them are in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, just like uh, behind the scenes uh, listeners, we uh, we have a message threads, and we have one regular thread. And we have one where people just say when they watch the episode, so I know when we're all done, and we can plan to record next. Um, and everyone just usually posts like "finish this." And Sarah, for the first time ever, posted "finished his way" all caps. <laughs> like like all I was all caps. caps for a good ten minutes after that episode <laughs> finished. <laughs> just everything. Uh, 
Well, let's get Yay. to it. The crew are enjoying a hollow suite of Vic Fontaine, a creation of Dr. Bashir, who is a 1960s Vegas lounge singer, self-aware hologram, and master of love. In his analysis of the crew's hearts, he gets to Odo and Kira, but moves on noticeably. Odo, who still has feelings for Kira, is saddened to hear she is going to visit Chakar for several days, which could mean she will begin her relationship with him again. Odo goes to Vic, who did indeed guess that Odo loves Kira, but she only loves him as a friend. Odo blames Shikar, but Vic very thankfully saves Odo from the 2036 version of incel message boards and tells him you have to work on yourself before you get the gal, buddy. In order to make Odo have more fun, he has him play the piano in one of Vic's sets, which gives Odo more confidence despite his lack of actual piano skill. Vic even has classic 1960s floozies swoon over Odo, but he only wants the genuine Kira article. Odo finds himself more alive, even humming a song with Cisco during one of their dry business meetings. It was adorable. Vic Vic adds in a new spice when Odo returns, a singer named Lola Cristal, who looks just like Kira, but as a sensual as hell lounge singer who flirts with him. Vic tries to hook them up, but Odo is too annoyed, it's clearly a hologram, and leaves. Kira returns to the station, but doesn't seem to apply to Dax that anything super hot happened between her and Shakar. Vic decides to take matters into his own hard light particles and goes to a hollow suite where Kira is meditating. He invites Kira to a hollow suite dinner date with Odo, and she accepts, but he tells Odo it's an improved hologram. Odo and Kira have a suave and fun date, but when Odo learns Kira is the genuine article, he leaves embarrassed. The next day, Odo is avoiding Nerys, but she says to Dax last night she had a moment of perfect clarity, which Dax has only experienced twice in her many lives. Feeling it again, she confronts Odo to discuss what happened, but he thinks she and Shakar are still together. She tells him no, and he offers her a dinner and dancing and a kiss. But hey, hold the dinner and dancing, baby, and the two make out right then and there. Later, Odo goes to thank Vic, who he leaves to do his set to his loyal fake patrons. And now, I am so sorry for what's about to happen. Oh, dear Lord. Regrets. Odo's had a few. But then again, too few to mention. And much, much more than this. What did you think of his way? I'm so sorry. That was beautiful. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> what did you guys think of this very silly episode? Finally. Oh, I my God. Finally. So fucking much. finally. Uh, you go first, Sarah. You have so many notes. Yeah, she has notes. I just, I loved it so much. And as, as Peter just said, you know, finally. Well, we've been waiting forever. I'm gonna finally kiss, and it was great. Um, it's it's a bit of trivia. Is that not a visitor's real voice? Was that actually I, her singing? I believe it I is. I think so. And she chose the song because apparently, and this is fucking crazy. She let me find the actual person. Uh, but you keep talking. I'll come back with this trivia uh, while I look it up. Um, um, we'll we'll talk uh, more specifically into my notes as it goes on but it was just so much fun which we really needed after that super serious in the pale moonlight episode and it was just cute and there was jazz music and singing and they kissed and it was awesome all right here's the here's the note i have a lot of uh, feelings here's a note from memory alpha about the song not a visitor herself chose the song Fever because of her mother's friendship with Doris Duke, a socialite and patron of the arts and one of the richest women in the world. When Visitor was a child, she and her mother would visit Duke's mansion in New Jersey and Duke would play piano and sing for them. On one particular visit, Duke sang Fever, and the way she sang the song had a huge impact on Visitor, who was nine at the time. As Visitor explains, she did Fever with this breathy quality to her voice, and I remember thinking, oh, that's a real sophisticated woman. That was a personal connection for me. It was a memory from when I was a little girl of what I thought a woman should be like, and I got to be that woman. But did she sing it? I think so. I think so. I think so. I can't find any for sure uh, mm-hmm. thing or another, but I believe she did in fact sing it. That's awesome. One of one of my greatest fantasies is to uh, to date a lounge singer and play the piano for them while they sit on top of the piano. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to watch that. I always love watching that happen because I'm like, that could be me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
the trope I love that this episode does, which always works for me, is the whole like we're shouting, we're shouting. Oh, we can a kiss, yes, and then they do, and it's yes. awesome every time. It's there's a great scene in uh, uh, it happened one night, one of the greatest screwball comedies of all time, like that, and also in the movie Magnolia. There's a very cute uh, scene with John C. Riley, like that, and it always works. It's always great. It's always cute. I love it. Mm. And I'm so glad they had like screwball comedy esque banter in this episode, yes. which makes me very happy. Anytime a show does it. And I also uh, just love Fever, the song. Always, oh, I like any that song. iteration I've ever heard is great. Yeah, they uh, they license some fucking killer songs in this episode, like right? mm-hmm. memorable major songs, like uh, "Come Fly with Me" and "Fever" and "I've Got You Under My Skin." And it's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like you actually picked real 1960s classics, you know, like which I really appreciate. I know they weren't my made only, in the 60s, but I associate with that time. My only complaint about this episode is uh, I, I get that um, James Darren was kind of a big deal. He's a good singer, but we didn't need him. We didn't need that much singing, I felt like. Yeah, I, this is the thing I was saying. I have a very weird hatred for just watching lounge singers in movies. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's like, it feels like such a waste of time. Like if it's part of the plot, fine. But like when people are just watching a lounge singer do a show, I'm like, why am I watching this? I'm Mm -hmm. not there. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It always bothers me. So like, I agree. When this episode started, I was like, fuck this here we go oh this one's gonna suck but it it got way better so i i totally agree with you that maybe a little too much extended singing pieces other than lola crystal i could watch that for an hour i mean come on Uh, yes 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 i agree i mean my god watching kira Mm -hmm. just be like hot as fuck it's just like oh And, 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 oh. and, and when and when it's not kira from the mirror universe either yeah well, you know what reminded me of? There's an episode of Community, which is a very hilarious episode that makes fun of Glee, where everyone is like, it's like essentially a zombie movie, but they get infected with singing, which is great. <laughs> yeah. So it's like contagious so... and everybody starts singing at some point. So once more with feeling? Kind of, yeah, Pretty kind much. of. Um, um, and, uh, but but a little more zombie movie-ish. Um, and but there's a funny part where Annie, who's like, the, who's like uh, Alison Brie, is very attractive. And uh, she's uh, like usually a little more squirrely and like cute and bubbly, but then she does like Santa Baby, a parody of it, which is so funny. <laughs> which ends with the line "boopy doopy doop doop sex." Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's supposed to be like funny, like oh, it's a parody of like these over-sexualized Christmassy songs. And that, but also she's so hot, you're just like, mm. I think that's the thing with this. Like Lola is supposed to be way over the top and funny. But Kira, like, not a visitor is so attractive and so seductive in the scene. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I can't also, mm-hmm. like, take it comedically at all. <laughs> She's just too attractive. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> and Sarah's having her own personal fantasies, and we can't focus. <laughs> I cannot undo. It's done now. We're here. No. Seriously. Oh, man. So yeah, Peter, what's your what's your overall thoughts? <laughs> oh, got your overall thoughts. We, we and yeah, Sarah sorry, talked. I sort of just started screaming. <laughs> oh, it, it it is totally valid screaming. I was I was basically doing the same thing. So it's just like, is this gonna happen? It's like, do we finally get like you know, like, do do we finally get you know part two, three, four, whatever, whatever of of any time that these two have at all addressed uh, have at all addressed how they feel about each other? Because 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 we had that we had that one instance where, where Kira met uh, Odo two hundred years in the future, and he has realized, oh, I should have told you sooner, and then he proceeds to just kind of kind of murder everyone blip blip off that entire community um that when when the, when the two when the two of them kind of talked about you know talked about their relationship uh you know uh, uh you know b- b- before before um not before at, at the beginning of the war and you know where are we going to stand with that then they get back and it's like we're just going to put that on hold now and so now they're finally just like no we're doing this we're, we're gonna do this and 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 it just you can tell that like the entire station is like finally because because it because of a <laughs> Because of a, when they made out in the middle of the promenade, and like, and then like stopped for a second, we're just like, yeah, no, this is fine right now. We'll do the date. We'll do the dinner date later. Kept going, like, so they didn't care. And how everyone was just like, 
watching them like, oh, wow. And then and then when Odo walks into the hollow suite and Vic's like, so I hear you're quite the item on the station. It's like, that means people are talking. So they're like, people, they're just watching them because they're like, because they're all thinking, that is so sweet. Don't you it love is. them as a, don't you love them as a couple? Yeah, I love them as a couple. They're, they're a great couple. Oh my God, you're right, right? Yeah, like that, this, that was it. That was me. Exactly. And Odo's a fucking cutie in his fucking tux, man. My God. Oh, that was a nice look. Man can wear a tux. Speaking of Odo, uh, I'm about to go on a a bit of a tangent here. It's not super relevant, but it's really cool. So uh, one of of, uh, the funniest lines from the episode to me was when Odo says to Kira, I don't speak French. And um, I I thought that was hilarious because his name is... Rene Aubergenois, so presumably does speak French, but I thought I would look that up. Maybe he actually doesn't. He just has a French name. That happens. Well, then I looked at his relatives, and uh, his great-great-great-great-grandparents uh, were Joaquim Murat and Caroline Bonaparte, who were... Um, what? <laughs> the, the, the Grand Duke of Berg and King of Naples, yeah. and... Uh, the Queen of Naples and Sicily, respectively. Yeah. yeah. So, there's that. History. I apologize. That's really random. It's just kind of mind-boggling. Jesus Christ! Wow, wow. I did not know that that was gonna be it. Huh. I'm. It's. I'm about to rewatch. Um, I'm probably gonna rewatch all the a lot of um. Robert Altman movies and he's mm. in like every Robert Altman movie in the 1970s and it's going to be very weird to me to rewatch that now that I know him as Odo and be like what are you doing Odo you're just in some hollow pre- program pretending to be in MASH who are you impersonating now exactly <laughs> uh, apparently his father was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize oh jeez well then damn tight lineage my god <laughs> his grandfather was a swiss post-impressionist painter <laughs> oh my gosh Jesus Christ. yeah yeah his this the caroline bonaparte was napoleon's youngest sister yep wow wow sorry wow. i'm just really blown away by all of this that is crazy jesus christ um to get back to the episode what do you guys think of yes. of, of vic uh, as a character, I know you're kind of annoyed, sir, by the singing. But what do you think of him as a character? A lot of fun. Um, I, I think he's he's too sentient for his own good. Like he can just start talking to Odo in Odo's office over the comm speaker, which seems a little bit far-reaching for a hologram sentient, though he might be, right? Um, or self-aware, I guess. Went into and he, Kira's like, hollow suite. bothered Kira while she was praying. Like, that's really inappropriate. This is true. I don't know. It just is, seems too too all-powerful. Be on the lookout yeah. for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but before, uh... a fun character and got Odo to, you know, boost his own self-confidence so he and Kira could finally get together, which was great. This is true. This is true. Uh, it's weird. He's a weird character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about him. I don't hate him or anything. I think he's okay. He just feels like very much like I feel like someone in charge really wanted him and pushed him for a long time, and then like mm-hmm. finally got their way. You know, like what if there was His a way. 60s lounge singer in uh, hey in uh in Deep Space Nine, and they're like why? And he's like I'm. I have all the money, so do it. Like, okay, fine. I'm working on it. Just hold yeah. off. It's it's again. I don't hate him. But I think he's cute. It's just a weird addition to the show, especially now. To be like, here's a '60s lounge singer. Here's mm-hmm. a hologram. He's gonna he's gonna hang around. <laughs> he's gonna help people with their problems. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess. Like I I I, got, I I forget what she called herself, but uh, but when. But when uh, Bashir was like, "Yeah, he's a hologram. He's self-aware," I was like, "Are we gonna have another Jort? Are we gonna have another Jordy situation type deal here? Mm-hmm. Is oh, some is Jordy. like again, like, like, like b- b- before Jordy? <laughs> but yeah, 
but before before it became more before before it became more of like oh no he's just trying to play matchmaker between between Odo and Kira I was just like is there going to be someone who like falls for him and it's going to be super awkward because that's just strange uh, but then it turns his only love is a sentient version of the ship he's on that is some fucking weird shit man that is that is a lot to deal with hey USS Enterprise I'm inside of you yeah, that's weird. It's, it's so weird. weird. It's so weird. That 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 is ta- that is taking it like like a hundred steps. That is further. her to a weirder level. Like, yeah, that is yeah. Than her. It's taking it a hundred steps. For, it's taking a hundred steps further than her and than, than her and 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 um and and when it became like a kind of an episode in Futurama where it's like where it's like can where it's like can man and robot oh. love each other? Or when he fell in love with Lucy Liu, the hologram. Yeah, like mm-hmm. or, or that yeah. that one too. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a ship. You fly around in it. So, uh, so two people really didn't like this episode, and it was Renee Abergenois and Kira and uh, not a visitor. They were not oh, really. They did not like that uh, Odo and Kira got together. And uh, oh. do you guys agree or not? No, I like it. I disagree. You're wrong. <laughs> I, I I think I, think I personally. I mean, I personally think that they're wrong, but I, but 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 I can kind of get on board with that thought because when I was watching the episode, um, like, uh, there was a part of me that, for a split second, was re- was reminded of Gardens of the Galaxy Volume Two when uh, when uh, when 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 Star when Star Lord and Gamora were talking, and he and he was he was explaining to her kind of, kind of the trope of eighty of eighty sitcoms, you know, the whole like the whole will they won't they type of deal, so like. I can understand them. I can understand like if at the end of the series they had never gotten together because it kind of falls in line with that. Where it's kind of falls in line with that. I mean, I, I think as long as if they didn't actually like have them hook up and it had, and, and they had made it more of a you know yes we like each other but we're never going to cross that line for whatever reason the writers and producers come up with that's but that's just how it'll stay. I would have been okay with it, but. After watching this episode, I'm just like, mm, no, we, we've been waiting six seasons, not two movies. Like, come on. Yeah, and I'm usually a proponent that, like, there should be more male-female uh, uh, couplings on shows and movies that don't get together. Like, and that mm. it's, you know, it's, that men and women can work together and just be friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, A, they've already established that Odo loves her like a million times in this episode of the show. So it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. it's always going to be an unrequited love. It's never like just flirtation. And B, they already did that with Thex and uh, Bashir, which I like. Yeah. They yeah. made it very clear that they wanted to get together. They never got together and they're just friends and that's okay, even though Bashir sometimes gets a little sad about it. But other than that, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's fine, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I like. Um, and so... That's why I'm like a little more more okay with it in this because it's like it was already established as a romantics. It wasn't just like, well, they're a hot guy and hot girl, so they have to fuck. It's rules. That's what happens. <laughs> they, they have to. Uh, they're together. They, they they're ju- in the they same just, room. They just gotta. They just gotta. They just gotta. Right. Exactly. Uh, whereas, like you know, uh, uh, you know, this this had two very hot people, you know, and they did not get together, and then has two very hot people who do get together. So I think it's okay. And again, like. Just have fun. It's a bleak. It's a bleak world. Have a little bit of love. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it'll end horribly. But, like, for now. Probably. It's all fine. It's all yes. good. So let me have this. That's all I'm asking. Um, so, yeah. Do you guys have anything else to say for his way? Or shall we call it a night? Uh, I'm good. Let me see if I, if I have any more screaming that I haven't. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to say I fucking love Dax and Kira's friendship a lot. Yes, we yes. do. There is very few great female friendships on shows. And they mm-hmm. f- are Sarah, maybe you can say this better than I can, but like I like that they're very feminine together and that they 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 are openly talk about relationships, but they also it's not all they ever mm-hmm. talk about and it's not all they are like, yeah. about each other, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to explain it well. Like I just mm-hmm. feel like they're allowed to be feminine but not feminized or stereotypical i don't know how i'm saying it but no yeah i get it it? i don't know i haven't actually really paid attention to see if they pass the bechdel test they have to to. if they did for all these seasons that's shocking maybe an episode by episode maybe but i feel like in the whole show there's no way they're always talking about dominion this you know Hmm. 
Mm. whatever that yeah but yeah, yeah but yeah but but but, re- but recently a lot of their conversations have been about either dax and Worf or kira and whoever whatever guy she's talking to at the moment now odo so mm-hmm. i think so but i think they do generally seem like genuinely good friends which i really like yes oh yeah for sure sort of spat or whatever yeah, kind, kind, kind of, kind of like, uh, kind of like Bashir and O'Brien. Yet, yeah, like, yes, O'Brien has, his, yes, O'Brien has, Ke- has Keiko and his daughter, and yes, Bashir, maybe not recently, but, 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 but before had, you know, what whoever he was in a relationship with. But they still, you know, hang out and do stuff. They still talk. It's not always, it's not always about business. Ah, <laughs> oh, their bromance makes me so happy. It's, I it know. really does. We haven't seen a lot of that lately, and so I'm not he- happy about it. So you're saying you love me? I'm saying I don't hate you. <laughs> hate you. And everyone, and everyone uh, watching is just like, duh, he loves you. This and where are Jake and Nog? Ooh. Yeah, they yeah. disappeared from the show. I was thinking that too. They, they, they really disappeared this season. Very MIA. Yeah. Nog is off sure. doing something with the with Starfleet because reasons. And Jake, after that whole, I'm going to like, you know... I'm, I'm, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna write about this and get both sides. Blah blah blah. He's just kind of disappeared. Maybe maybe yeah. maybe, maybe maybe he's back on Earth in, in New Orleans with his with his granddad. Right. We'll, yes. We'll it's say possible. that. We'll say that. It's possible. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for our episode this week. Next week we'll be discussing season six, episode twenty-one and episode twenty-two, which are the Reckoning and Valiant. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.